Hi, I'm Ruby Wilmus, and I'm excited to tell you about a new comic book that's coming out. Parapet Comics will be launching its first issue, Mercenary Kingdom City of Fire Part 1, written by Wesley Johnson, illustrated by Nick Palatichuk, based on the characters from the film Mercenary Kingdom. If you're interested in purchasing a copy, go to IndiePlanet.com, where digital and hard copies are available, and where digital copies are as low as a dollar. That's Parapet Comics number one, Mercenary Kingdom, City of Fire. Written by Wesley Johnson and illustrated by Nick Palatichuk. Hi everybody, this is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast. And before I begin my show, I want to remind everybody I'm on YouTube. Kyle Gothi and I are on YouTube. It's Kyle, Nick on Film. Uh, we have now added a show. We now add Scary Saturdays. So every Saturday we'll promote a scary movie and critique it. And you can find every episode on YouTube. Kyle, Nick on Film. Check out the Patreon for some great options to tell us what to do. Please like and subscribe and you get to see what it looked like. It's Kyle, Nick on Film on YouTube. All right, well, now we're ready. Uh, it's dedication time, and here with Merritt. Merritt knows it's dedication. Merritt, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Well, I just want to dedicate this episode to anybody out there that's making art, you know, right. pushing themselves to do stuff. Out of all the David Lynch quotes, my favorite is, if you're creating things, we can be friends. Nice. <laughs> yeah, right on. I love that. So let's go with that. Yes, right to all the people that are out there creating Right, we're back on the show today we have um my name is Merritt West Merritt uh is this is unique because you have done in not just modeling acting but a bunch of other things that we'll get into and stuff like that but also you have a, um, a spice that you work on which is perfect timing for doing but uh, <laughs> oh that's funny yeah totally <laughs> I always think of that too um it is a spice right yes yes, yes it is uh chili pepper that I grind and uh, to a very specific degree and it basically just doesn't really have its own flavor but it will add that heat to anything you put it on so it and it's kind of it kind of looks like spice from doing but yeah yeah it's an application that you put on um, for making your own foods and stuff like that. yeah well basically it's um so my wife doesn't like spicy food but I grew up on it and uh, when we met, you know, she was like, okay, just don't make it spicy. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't make it spicy. point of view, it's like, oh, I make it boring. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I always feel like maybe it could use a little something. Right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, here's the story. My mom gave me this recipe, basically. And uh, she gave me this bottle and said, here you go, take this. And I'm like, oh, this is great because I grew up with it, you know. So I knew exactly what it was. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Now I have this. And I brought it up to a vacation with my wife's family, um, and I shared it with her brother. And her brother says, uh, "This is great. Can I have some?" And the light bulb went off, and I'm like, "Ding, ding, ding! This is my brand." <laughs> so yes, yeah. What is the name of the brand? Salt from Mars. Salt from Mars. I love this because it, it it does look a little bit like it comes from Mars. Yep. And it's kind of like salt is a different thing, but it's not really. It's like a chili powder. Yeah, I was trying to come up with a name because um, you know I. Yeah, that's the only way to have a brand is to have a name, you know. Right. And uh, thinking, I was cooking, and um, 
I'm adding salt to my dish. Of course, you know, if you're a cook, you always know you got to add salt to your dish to season it, to flavor it. And I realized that, yeah, that's exactly what it does. Without the salt, it's bland, right? Um, but that's exactly what this stuff does. It just adds that heat. Well, so you could think of it as like a seasoning because it doesn't really add a flavor. I mean, salt has its own flavor if you add too much, but if you don't add too much, then you're just bringing out the flavor of everything else. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of the same way here. It's, uh, it, it, it kind of disappears into the dish, but you'll get that heat. Yeah. So we'll put the, definitely put the link down below if Great. anybody's interested in adding a little bit of, yeah. you know, to their food. Yeah, so if you look at the Instagram, you can just see a bunch of different things that I do with it. I mean, you could basically put it on ice cream if you wanted to, to make ice cream spicy. I, I made like a spicy compound butter okay. the other day. I put it on this, um, I made this like a, this bread crisp, like a wasab crisp bread and uh, goat cheese. And then when I was out at Yellowstone this summer, I picked up some wild huckleberry syrup and I put that on that, so you got the sweet and spicy, creamy from the goat cheese, crisp, crunchy from the crisp bread, and uh, it was awesome. So not only the modeling acting and the spices that you do culinary. Yeah. Did you, ever, <laughs> did you do it academic, or just from? Well, I've worked in I've worked in restaurants my whole life, almost okay. um, starting with as a dishwasher, one of my first jobs. Of course, after um, you know roguing corn and you know, detasseling corn as a, as a young child. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started as a dishwasher, basically, um, started waiting tables and, uh, bartending and worked in a bunch of different restaurants. Just always got to taste all the great food from brilliant chefs. I mean, and then eventually got to work at some amazing Japanese restaurants here in the cities, Sajia, Origami, and, uh, just, incredible talent and always just like wanting to know like i'm like wesley like trying to pick up everything you know and pick up all the techniques you know as much secrets as you can <laughs> exactly and it's more like just tasting it because once you know what it's supposed to taste like then you can really go for it so like with my mom you know she's from thailand and i grew up on thai food and when you really know what it's supposed to taste like you can tell the difference you know yeah yeah it's a I've only had Thai food once in a while because you know you really go really hot with it for sure, or you can really you know dial it down a little bit. But I think at the experience you you enjoy a little bit of really hot, and it has a certain color to it and texture to it. The main thing is that you balance everything. You know the sweet, the heat. You know you want to get the textures. The cr sometimes you want to add crunch. You know you could actually uh, fry cumin seeds and throw those on there for a nice little crunch, plus the pop of the cumin flavor. Okay, we got to move on. Okay. <laughs> so outside of um, the culinary and stuff and stuff, we have to mention you do acting. And yes. You do modeling. What came first, the modeling or the acting? Or oh, the acting man. The well, I guess in high school it would be the acting. Oh, you did that in high school? Yeah. I actually um, got the lead role in the high school play three out of the four years. You got to be, that's going to be busy. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy for a sophomore to get the lead role, you know. Right, but, yes, yeah. And that was, the role was actually Charlie from the book Flowers for Algernon, or the movie that. Charlie. Oh. Really? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Flowers for Algernon. I mean, I'd never heard of it if I hadn't been in the play, but... Um, it's it's a crazy story. It's about it's basically like you know it's a trope. Uh, they do an experiment on this guy who maybe is like um, a little um, you know not quite all there, a little slow maybe, and uh, they do this like experiment on him, and he becomes this like super genius, you know. I love those transitions. All of a sudden, you can know. yeah. I don't want to spoil it, so that's all I'll say. Math problems. Yeah. 
So yeah, started in high school with acting. Yep. Did you always want to do it, or you just oh, jumped into it? Or? Yeah, yeah, I always wanted to do it. Okay, I, I just was the kid that always wanted to read in front of the class, you know, and you know, be the goofball. I have to share because my 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 niece is a senior and she does stage acting, and actually she's doing a play where she's going to play Shakespeare. Wow. And she's kind of has the same background because when she had to read out loud in class, she was like, what accent do you want to do? Do I do British or you should do Italian? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> and the teacher's like, just read it. <laughs> just read it. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to do it the best I can. <laughs> So you still, I have to ask now because it's, it's kind of changed a little bit for acting with auditions and stuff. Are you comfortable doing the, the, the Zoom videos and all that stuff? Because it's now it's not so much in person anymore. I got used to it. I mean, I, I think I was opposed at first. Yeah, because I like, I mean, like you and I here talking, you know, it just feels more natural. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm adjusting like how I deliver based on, you know. How, what I get from you, right? You know, yeah. I'm because yeah, uh, so. we've done episodes where it's been remote and somebody's in the different, but it just it doesn't sound organic enough. I think it's totally. really it's just like yeah, it's more conversational answer. here. Plus with a Zoom, I mean, well, Zoom is weird. I mean, we, I think you're more talking about self tapes. Self tapes are weird because it's like okay, I'm gonna read this part. Um, the way I think maybe it should be done, but really I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I have no idea. I would have to when I go into auditions before. I mean, I would just you really just get the vibe, you know, and you play off of the vibe, which brings me to improv, right? And right, you're, you're going to be doing improv, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, Started doing some short form improv with this group called Scenes from a Hat, and uh, oh, we no branched out. Yeah, we branched out, and uh, yeah, you had Nathan Block and Jim Belden on, and um, we started a group called uh, Five Swipes Left. Got a nice. show coming up on November 6th. Is it outdoors? It is at the Southdale Mall in Edina. Southdale Mall in Edina. Yeah, that is. at right. a place yeah. called Here and Now. Um, it's like a venue that is across from Dave & Buster's. It's not the comedy club that's just below it. It's straight across from it. So if you're standing in front of Dave & Buster's and you look the opposite direction, you'll see it. So if you're around the Minnesota area, November 6th, you can go see um, yeah, Five, five swipes, swipes Left. left. We are going to do, you're doing the motion with your hand. That's awesome. It's South Del Mar and Idina. Yeah, we're going to start the show off with some short form, and then we're going to do some long form, which is really awesome to know the difference between the two. <laughs> because I didn't, for a long time, I had no idea. Like, all I knew is that I went and did a workshop, an improv workshop, and I realized like in that moment that this is this is what I want to do. This is the best out of all the kind of stage performance th things that there are. Um, improv is the well, one. That... It's, it's impulsive, right? Yep. It's like, you can't, if you think about it too much, it's not natural yep. and it's not true, right? Yep. You have to do it now. What's, you know? Yeah. yeah and go with it, you know, and don't be too, you know, in your shell. You're now you know. a frog answering the phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and having fun with it because in retrospect, those are the moments that are so touching. You know, those are the moments, the memories that are the ones that really stick with you. I think people appreciate it that it's all, oh my God, how'd you come up with that so fast? But then it's also so funny and it's just, right. I yeah. Mean, I didn't, we, we both are very familiar with Robert Williams. He, I don't think he ever came with a script on stage. I think it's all just 100% just what comes out of his brain. Yeah, God, that I guy. Mean, Wouldn't it be great? To, yeah. to just be like that, right? My favorite story, I think I, showed, I shared on my my story, my, I, I shared on my show before, but he came on to do comedy and David Lenman and Seinfeld and um, 
Richard, uh, can't remember, Richard Belder. They're all, they're script, they're, they write their, you know, their acts. They're kind of linear, right? They write it out, they practice their jokes and everything. And here's it comes a guy who just took somebody's scarf from the audience. It did an entire act that was funnier than everything. Totally. And everyone was like, we took our index cards and just shredded up. We just. <laughs> absolutely because he just was up there and boom energy and all that stuff yeah absolutely and as we talked about earlier i do have a musical background so uh the improv really comes from just jamming you know you're just jamming out with other musicians yeah. you know right because you have to play through the mistakes too totally <laughs> yeah and if you're jamming i mean who knows if it's a mistake or not <laughs> right i think that's what the clever thing about Jimi hendrix was he would make a mistake but he would bend that to a tune that he would yeah. Seemed like it's natural that's what you wanted to do but yeah that's how it made him so much more fresh and everything yeah. yeah i was actually sitting around a campfire the other day and just playing guitar and um i don't play any songs and you know i just play just whatever and just yeah. keep Improv. going just keep going yeah why not and if you do if you play a mistake or something you didn't expect yeah, you just, well, there you are. Now you're going to go with that. And that's the new thing. You're going to keep playing with that maybe. Or you just give it up and say, that was my set, <laughs> you know, and start something new. I think it, and another guitar player was Eddie Van Halen used to do that. Just hours, even after a concert, would just sit there and just not really play a song. Just play it out. Just play with it. Yeah. I think For anybody's sure. creative, whatever your tools, just play it out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, I, I guess comes from what some of my mom told me when I was a kid. Um, because uh, I was washing the dishes, you know, and <laughs> upset about it, probably as ch children are, you know. That's great therapy. It's crying <laughs> and you got to do the dishes. But right? she yeah, told me, she told me something I'll never forget. She said, everything in life is an art form, you know. Even washing the dishes is an art form. And, you know, it really sunk in. Not at that moment. <laughs> but eventually it did. And uh, It has a style to it. Yeah. It has a rhythm. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So even if you're like, maybe you're in a bad mood or whatever, I mean, you can always find a, a way out of it by just maybe starting a little dance or something. You're doing the dishes, maybe you're not too happy about it, but remember that it's an art form and start to do it like it's an art form and, you know, you can start to enjoy it. And all of a sudden you're on this totally different vibe. There's so many times where I don't have a dishwasher I have, I have to do all my dishwashing manually but there's so many things where I got my ideas just from doing the dishes really yeah like oh yeah what about that I'll put that in the story you get kind of lost in it and all of a sudden your mind is able to just like release something right it's the interstitial thoughts right yeah when I used to be a full-time custodian I would have my post-it notes and I would just sit there because that's just that monotonous job and all of a sudden you think about oh what if I do this my story and then you come back to it. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Those moments of inspiration. And I'm so glad that you write them down because that's so important. If you don't write it down, I mean, it's just long gone. Write it down <laughs> or email yourself. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I know some other writers that email themselves and go, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about the notes app in my phone, you know. So I have like, I have one that's called just words to remember. And any time I come across something that I'm like, that's that's something I don't want to let go of. I want to remember that. I'll just uh, now it's like pages, pages long. You know, of course it's just one page because it's an app. But <laughs> just words. Yeah, no, they're important words, and uh, I read, uh, go back and read them once in a while, and like get all kinds of inspiration from that stuff. Yeah, it's. I think especially for a writer, even just get familiar with different words can lead you to different avenues of your story. Yeah, and I would do that when I. 
I never I haven't really started out as a writer. I just had a story that I wanted to write. But now I can kind of consider myself a writer. And I think the first thing is I always do, put on a certain set of music. They'll get me the boot. Nice. I don't, really to it I don't listen to music when I'm writing, but as a catalyst to get me started. I'm nice. Like, you know. Yeah. But then I just kind of thumb through the dictionary a little bit. Just get familiar with different words that are not part of my vernacular. Then I can kind of incorporate like, yeah, maybe I'll go with a story like this or something like that. Or a new description that will just kind of snip it in there. And I'm not talking about trying to sound clever than you really are, put fancy words in your writing, mm -hmm. but just find something that's new. That's why I've got our great, that's why the high studios just fill up with comic books. Just find little things that can get you going. Totally. I totally dig that. I totally dig that. So I like that. I just put it, it's words for you, maybe personal, but I like that you're kind of almost collecting them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you ever going to do writing yourself? I do. I am. Um, well, actually I was, uh, I was, uh, paid to write stuff um, for a company. I wrote email, which maybe isn't super exciting, but um, based off of my uh, previous experience as a rock climbing instructor um, and writing the SOP for Lifetime Fitness, um, you know, I was very good at writing technical, um, you know, um, explanations of how to do things so because there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to try to explain how to tie a knot <laughs> you know but it's like what what are you trying to say move the rope through the hoop <laughs> what <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> so you got to say things very specifically especially um, if you want to know how to tie a, a knot or a set up a belay i mean how are you supposed to write in words how to set up a belay system or even like an anchor or whatever because right. yeah. it can get kind of you can get oh there's so it. many ways to misinterpret it yeah. and even like even after like i've reread this a million times how could anybody misinterpret this i'm like okay read the instructions and then do what it says and if one person like puts the rope through the blade device upside down i'm like wow i didn't even realize that the it didn't cover like, you know, put the rope through the belay device. It's you can't just say it that way because it's it's there's too right. many ways for people to misinterpret it. You know. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So I wrote email for a market research company trying to tell people how to do things, and you know, it's pretty successful, I guess. It doesn't. It it sounds monotonous, but it, it helps you practice, right? I think right. you can apply it to your acting. You can apply it to yeah all the other avenues and. You know, music yeah, and, everything. and the thing, the type of writing that I think that I enjoy the most is writing haiku. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I was my, on Twitter, my wife, the math teacher, she encourages doing math haikus. Math haikus. A little bit. Matt, what's a math haiku? Well, it just it has to be centered around math. You know. You mean the words are math words the, the or con, the, the subject? I'm trying to think of like, okay, so you can have five numbers in the first line, seven numbers in the second line. No, not quite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but she's just like, talk about math on your high Oh, it's, yeah, does it like have that. to like Algebra. add up to seven? Oh, no. <laughs> you can do it if you want to be really clever and get a good grade. Yeah, you can do it. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah. The way I kind of do it is just say the, say the syllables to myself. So one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five. Because it's a calming kind of a rhythm, you know? And I think that's why the haiku is the haiku. It's a calming kind of a rhythm, the syllables. So you, and then eventually you can just come up with words to go with it. And you know, one, two, three, four, five. I just read a comic book. I think that's six. Oh, well. <laughs> then I read a book. I just read a book. It was really funny, yo. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to sleep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
nice yeah i really hate (laughs) but in today's you know with twitter of course you know you got a certain amount of characters you can use um i just figured like haiku it's like this really boiled down you know art form yeah Yeah. so you want to make something and you want to make it greater than it's some of its parts you know um but it's a way of like you know putting something out there that's going to be not going to take up any more time than somebody has or it's like the shortest amount of attention that you can possibly get from somebody you know to be polite (laughs) here's the shortest amount of attention i'm asking from you and hopefully it's greater than the sum of its parts and hopefully it makes you happy or feel something i don't know right yeah i think that's the goal for haiku is this kind of i didn't know you can talk about that all of a sudden it's almost like language of an emoji just speaking in emoji. Ex- yeah absolutely but haiku is almost like you're speaking in just a rhythmic and you can get so much out with just that limited amount of syllables right <clears throat> right so, there's so me. many so much in an emoji that you can send somebody there's so much attachment to that yeah which is really weird because that's how we started writing language is hieroglyphics is the first written language picture words for sure for sure and then we oh man that's like you just made me think of something it's like wow what i bet hieroglyphics was a live language at some point so maybe people started like to be kind of ironic they'd interpret it a little different (laughs) you know you think it's it's, it's all emoji right (laughs) right and because so you know the, the emojis are now being interpreted differently by people because of how their experiences right, some are. Some things have taken on a different yep. interpretation. So. Yeah, in different subcultures, they'll be like, "Oh, I see it this way," you know. So it's not even hard to. It's. I mean, it's an. It's a living language, right? Yeah, that's how we think, especially with the letter A, our first letter. We always think it's almost started from cattle trading, that people were just head of cattle, and when they went to five, they flipped it upside down. And all of a sudden, that's why we think we got we got our first letter A. It's oh wow! People trading cattle and cattle because heads. it's supposed to look like a cow for some reason. If like you flip the feet the A upside down, it's a cattle head. Oh, okay, and yeah, it is. We always think it like that, right? Yeah, um, that how we bastardize it. So it's it's picture words, pictures, words. That's hieroglyphics, and we bastardize it to make abstract to letters. But now we're going back to pictures. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like we used Cycles. To, yeah. In the old days, like the turn of the century of 1900s, we used to order from catalogs and they came by train. But then we invented malls to go get your stuff. But now we've gone back to order and it comes to you. <laughs> yeah. We don't go yeah. to really malls anymore, but we go, we order it and it comes to you now. So it's almost yeah, like, and now if we could just have rails everywhere, come to, you know. <laughs> well, then I think by the time we get, I'm get, I'm forty. I think by the time we, I'm reaching, if I can get to seventy, everything's just gonna be delivered by drones. For sure, it's just gonna get delivered by yeah. drones, and then somebody's just gonna navigate it and just there, drop it off, and there you go. We already got to the point that drones have uh, vented weather. They've now places where they have drought. They had send drones that just drop water. That's amazing. So wow. we might get to the point where all oh the state of Minnesota that has a drought. Well, we're the federal government's going to send thousands of drones and just drop water. Oh, you think they could feed the homeless that way? You know, yeah, just drop right. <laughs> yeah, you know, we got all these groceries that just get tossed in the garbage. Why not just be like, hey, let's send it off and people people can cook it. You know? Yeah, I think yeah, it's just really weird how things how would that, how would that become all right and we got that way then. Yeah, it comes. Oh, sometimes it comes back a little bit. Yeah, but How it takes get- somebody to do it too, though. You know, it takes somebody to say this is a good idea, and I'm going to do it. It's one thing to have these good ideas, but it's another thing to actually put them into action. 
like Bill from uh, Michael Keaton did Night Shift. You ever yeah. seen that? I have. <laughs> it was so ideas. long ago, I can't really remember, well, but I know I've seen it. He has all his ideas on his, and he record them, and then he's like, how about we feed light tuna fish mayonnaise? So that's we don't- right. <laughs> so you don't have to make our tuna salad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Call Sarkis. I just got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Bumblebee. <laughs> Which one? I'm going to have a bidding war now. <laughs> what did tuna eat anyway? I don't know. Are they can- Do they eat fish? It's a good question. You gotta Google that. Yeah, because you'd have to make the uh, mayo taste like fish. (laughs) It's really weird that we say tuna fish, even though it's just tuna. Just you can just say tuna and you stop. Yeah, we don't say you know shark fish. Shark fish. Right. There's probably a shark fish out there being hey what? (laughs) Which is you know what I think because in in Spanish shark is tiburon. Yeah, and I don't think it's it doesn't sound as threatening. A tiburon. Yeah, it doesn't sound like menacing as much as English shark. So I don't think in you know mm. Sp- if you say you know jaws in Spanish, does it really like? Oh no, it's a tiburon. Oh, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, it doesn't really translate. I don't think it doesn't translate very well. That's why I don't think they didn't really have like a lot of shark movies in Spanish about sharks. Yeah. So. No, a shark NATO. It's almost Spanish. <laughs> it almost is, right. It almost. It almost is. Is. <laughs> So when did with the modeling acting stage yeah. service stage how did you train to film? Oh my goodness! Uh, wow, was it something? Jeez, just how did all this jumped happen? into? It sounds like something you possibly just jump into, or did yeah, you just I'm creeping a little bit. Trying to remember the chronology of it now. It's um, just all kind of blended together, I think. Okay, um, but yeah, after high school, I was joined a band. Uh, we we gigged around all over around you did here. Guitar. Yeah, I play guitar in the band. Yeah. And, uh, we recorded a CD. <laughs> it's, it wasn't really released. We only made a thousand copies, but the band name was flaw, which somebody else got and probably got more popular than us. <clears throat> but, um, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was like, Hey, why not? I want to, I remember I, my girlfriend at the time, I was like, one day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to join a band. Next day, this guy comes up to me. Hey, you want to join my band? Literally next day. <laughs> Seriously. And I'm like, yeah. So I went over, started playing. We just kept playing and um, had a great time and made a CD eventually. And, you know, was, as bands go, eventually just kind of you know, broke up. And, right. um, and uh, pretty much the next day, <laughs> I said, um, well, a friend of mine, had traveled to lived in Oregon, lived out West for a while. And he came back here. He was a friend from high school. He came back to visit his parents and we were hanging out one night and he's like, Hey, you know, I really got interested in all this cool stuff. Look at this stuff. And he gives me like an REI catalog, you know? And I'm yeah. like, he's like, look through that. There's so much cool stuff. Cause he was really getting into the outdoors, you know, wanted to be a guide and uh, I'm flipping through the REI catalog and I got to the page where they had rock climbing equipment. And when I saw that page, just a light bulb went off. And I remembered, even before I got into this band, I remembered <laughs> that I wanted to rock climb. <laughs> and Isn't so, that really weird? There's all yeah. of a sudden, you, it's almost like you, like how we talk about with the language. All of a sudden, you started with something, you went another journey, and then came yeah, back, like, came hey, back. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is absolutely what happened. And um, <clears throat> again, I don't know. This is getting to be a theme, but literally, in like next day, <laughs> I went to my parents' house. And uh, rummaging around, you know, I didn't live there anymore, but I'm always, you know, you go back to your folks' house, you're always rummaging around to look for like old 
childhood treasures or whatever, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm in the basement and I'm looking around and I find my brother's climbing equipment because he had, I think that was on I, maybe the inspiration, but here's his old climbing equipment, a pair of shoes, a harness, and blade, blade of ice, carabiner. And uh, I don't know how, I, I, he had owed me some money at that point, right? The only time in my life when he ever owed me money, but I said, keep it, I'll take this climb equipment. He said, deal. And now I had all the equipment and I just started climbing. And basically like never looked back. And that's another, uh, remembering up for merit, if you didn't know merit, that's another career for you almost. Yeah. 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 I became the, basically the subject matter expert for lifetime fitness, wrote all the SOP for climbing and, um, you know, largest climbing wall operator in North America. Is it a lot, it's, I know you have to have, before you begin rock climbing, you have a little bit of planning, like what do you want to do, but it's also a little bit almost improving as well, right? Yeah. Um, the planning is for sure key. Um, and then the improvising is kind of like out of necessity. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I was never really into that whole like free solo thing, you know, which is, sure. uh, you know. That was kind of fashionable, <clears throat> what, like 10 years ago? For me, it was the, you know, climbing, I always said this, I've given instructions to thousands of people. And I would say climbing is inherently dangerous. The sport of climbing is all about minimizing that danger. So really the sport for me was the engineering of the ropes and uh, the protection and building anchors, building solid, um, you know, uh, protection so that if you do fall, which is inevitable, um, you know, you'll survive it. All right. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a little break and back more with Merit. All right. Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont. I'm the producer, Will Pope. And we talk, what do we talk about, Will? We talk about things, right? Talk about a lot of things. Arrowverse, Marvel, DC, any... You talk about DC, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we rant about TV, we rave about movies, and we, we do some reviewing, um, but we're not overly critical. But we're also pretty honest and blunt when writers and showrunners and producers get in their own way. Exactly. So give us a listen. Yeah. Good night. Geek out. You're welcome. back with Merritt um, and I think from all the things we talked about from with rock climbing with you writing SOPs you know standard um, modeling acting music there's a lot of you have to have a structure you have to have a certain foundation to get started but that also includes you have to be ready to do a lot of improving, a lot of on the go so it's not all going to plan right it's sure. not all going to go to plan you have to think about how to navigate out of it as well oh totally so yeah, I think that's mostly the theme about you is we have a pluck, you have a structure plan, but get ready to go on the impulse. <laughs> yeah, of mice and men, right? <laughs> so that's the way it goes. Yeah, especially if, uh, like music. I think music, especially for live show, something's going to happen. Something's going to be a mistake, and you just got to play through it. Yeah, gotta yeah. Be- Don't beat yourself up too much. Yeah. Of course you will, <laughs> but you know it's okay. It'll be okay. 
Right. <laughs> Guitar players get to screw up. Drummers, you cannot screw up. That's right. If you, if you <laughs> yeah, the whole up, band. The whole band. Like if you go too fast, too slow. That's yeah. why I love the movie Whiplash. Right. Whiplash. I might have to check that out. J.K. Simmons. Okay. So from a, Kiss. A classical musical jazz school. And he just hounds the drummer. Which... I understand because my my friend Nick, when we were in the band, he did it too fast. What? Yeah. Do 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 too slow. Dang it. Do 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 too fast. Dang it. He could just hear it. Like, all right, not my speed. Yeah. Your heart needs to be a metronome. Yeah. Right. I, I just don't have natural rhythm. I really had to work hard to it. I just don't have natural rhythm as a drummer. I remember like being in band in high school, and um, you have to count, you know, and I'd always forget to count. And I'd be like, was that three or four? Oh, crap. <laughs> One, two, three. Okay, we go to the bridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's the change? <laughs> yeah. Did you say so you were more rhythm guitar or lead? Lead. You were lead? Yeah. Oh, and then you could totally yeah, screw up all the time. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And then I would play slide, too. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look at back at it now. And when you record stuff, then, you, of course, you have that. Um, you can listen to it 10 years later and be like, man, I sucked. <laughs> I know, because, like, Jimmy Page said, he can listen to the their fourth album, Les Up and Four. And he's like, there's so many mistakes. Yeah. But it's one of the greatest albums. He goes, I know everybody appreciates it. can get regarded as one of the greatest albums, but there's so many mistakes with it, but we just yeah. had to kick it out. Or he sees them as mistakes, but but everybody else is like, it's genius. Yeah. Yeah. You always critique hard your artwork, your own projects. Yeah. Which, you know, like I said, everybody else thinks it's genius. And so, I mean, he's over-criticizing himself. And so the, um, the, I guess, what everybody else thinks is genius comes from just letting go of it and just yeah. being in the moment. I guess that's where the whole uh, acting and stuff, it's like being alive in the moment, you know. Right. Yeah. That's what they say anyway. I think, uh, like, one of the best acting was, for me, was Marlon Brando on the waterfront. I brought it up on my show a couple of times. Okay. But, um, in the movie, he's playing Terry Malloy, who he got his foot into the good people and the corrupt people. Okay. But he tried to do it by gender. He tried to do masculine and female at the same time. And he didn't really pull it off. He didn't think he pulled it off very well, but he wanted to do feminine traits as well as masculine traits for his character, as well as his name is Terry. You know, boy, you use okay. girls and boys. And if you watch it now, you can tell that he's trying to do masculine macho, but also means kind of feminine sensitive at times. And when he won, he goes, I didn't think I did a good enough job. Right. I didn't think I pulled it off very well. Right. Which is like, you'd be, yeah, you'd be more harsh to, and then we regard now. Yeah. One thing about Marlon Brando that I really like is that he used cue cards, which I totally understand. Like, because you would just pick up the idea, like, and then just be in the moment because you're not rehearsing the lines that, I mean, maybe you are, you kind of know what they are, but just, you got to set the structure. But really, yeah. And then you're playing off of everything, everybody, everything else is going on, you know? And, um, so to rehearse a line and to try to deliver it a certain way that you think is right, maybe isn't going to be right in that particular moment, you know? So just like be present, you yes. know, try to be anyway. Right. Like, what is it for now? Right. What does yeah. it feel like now? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I, the best thing about Godfather is that cat. It was a stray, it was a stray cat that only liked Marlon. 
it was it came on the movie lot and it hated everybody but Marlon. Really? And so almost like a defense mechanism, Marlon used it in the movie. Sweet. <laughs> Hold it. Like if anybody attacks me, the cats could attack you too. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, cats are the best. <laughs> it was a great prop to you. You know, yeah. I'd get, of course, a cat's a being, but it's nice to have something. Oh, there's no way they could ever train a cat to do something like that. You know, it's only gonna, it's either gonna happen or it's not, right? And plus, always to tell you with acting, what do you do with your hands? Right, it's the most important thing, right? Right. And usually, people I've had that before, and it's that like, wait, what am I doing with my hands in this scene? <laughs> yeah, I know, I've had that thought because I have kind of big hands and they're always like I have to like curl my fingers up for like modeling and stuff if you know I have to like try right, not yeah. to let my hands just be all gigantic <laughs> you know it's one of the things about acting classes oh my god my hands I forgot it yeah and then you're yeah. conscious like where you're putting your hands in the movie yeah or in the modeling they call it the breaks you know the way you uh, position your wrists and your hands how you break them or I don't know if that's a correct terminology but it's called a break I guess yeah and like and we talk about with acting just change of beats right yeah, I mean, you guys can't see it, but I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting hit in the face. <laughs> you, so, you, yeah, was, I think people have a deceiving thing about modeling is just faces or bodies, but it's all emphasis of you. And then almost with modeling, you have to be ready at all times, like hair, hair everything. It could be something you don't even know about, like all of a sudden your hands are not ready, and then, oh, no, right. Yeah, yeah and you feel really like all nervous like everything needs to be perfect because you've like seen these perfect pictures and these magazines and everything's so perfect and you just I don't know I think lately I've just decided to let go of that and just do it just do it and yeah yeah so if you look at my Instagram you'll see like um I've just in the last few posts I've started like doing these little weird montages and trying to like write a story to go along with them um, like one of my most recent ones is, um, like, it's kind of like this mercenary guy, or maybe he's like a weird, like low level guard, but I've got like a fatigues, you know? Sure. Yeah. And I'm holding this, uh, it's called a San Angelo bar. It's a, like a real tool. Um, it's like 17 pounds, it's like <laughs> steel bar. It's like hexagonal. It's like, you got your signature weapon. Yeah, well, this guy, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of something I had in my garage, you know, <laughs> and, and a machete, and I've got this, like, you know, like, I don't know, uh, the the vest with all the pockets, you know, just a bunch of stuff that I have, you know, and I put it all together and made this character, made, made this costume, yeah, because we were going to go uh, shoot at this, like, haunted house kind of a lot where they also had a hayride, and I scouted it, and I saw there they had this really cool outdoor structure, and it just looks really cool. So if you look at my Instagram, you'll see it. But um, I kind of put all the pictures together and made like, who's this guy? What's he doing? You know, I'm thinking that. And uh, yeah, just started just started writing down like what his thoughts might be and revised it a bunch of times. But I ended up doing this like weird Jamaican accent with him. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I think everything starts. It starts small and then all of a sudden. Yeah. And you, you just know. get it more ideas. You just start with something. I mean, you're talking about drawing and. Um, you know, you start by drawing a line and then what does this line, I don't want to be like, uh, you know, the painting guy, but it's a happy line, <laughs> you know, what yeah. does this line, he's asking, you got some friends now, you know, and you just add on to it and keep building on to it. I'll give you a little spoiler, a spoiler, but usually when I start a page, like I just have it on my board, yeah, it's already filled out. It's already been, like you said, it's already, the plans are already there. Already, it's not blank. I already know what I want to do with it before I even start. Right, emerging out of it, but then sometimes there's things like, oh, that didn't work very well, so I have to like 
adjust. So, right, we're talking right. about... Like, the, you have like, to improvise. <laughs> yeah, they improvise a little bit. Sometimes like, oh, I thought that was a good idea, but maybe we do it at a different angle. Right. But it's always, I didn't stray from the plan, but you have to do your adaptations and kind of modify a little bit from your plan because I think people get caught up, especially with creative, that it has to come exactly how you thought it was. Yeah, and, and, and that's the trap, though, right? Yes. That's the, yeah. It has to be exactly how I thought in my mind it was going to be. And that just never... You got to think that's never going to happen. That's not, it doesn't really 100% transfer over. Yeah. Unless you're doing construction, then it does. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's to be exact. Like, oh my gosh, they're building this light rail out through Hopkins and they got this massive bridge um, going over uh, by Blake's Road over Excelsior by uh, the Cargill building. I know and 169. That is. Right. I know. A massive structure, right? And right now, like I just drove under it last night, and right now it's like they're going to join the well i guess it would be the keystone if they did it that way but it's almost like the keystone right they've so got they these started two ends and yeah and they to came the together and i'm just like are you insane like how did you get those two massive cement structures to come together perfectly at that center point because what if it was a little off yeah are you kidding me i don't know man yeah like the roman aqueducts it yeah. had to be a slight slope to it for the water sure. To oh run. sure yeah and you look at the massive like you built that knowing that you had to have like a one centimeter slope to it. So it goes down. Yeah. These <laughs> yeah. two gigantic arches, they're finally going to join them, right? There's like maybe a f little five foot section now that they just have to fill in right in the middle. Right. Yeah. If you're but, a little bit off, then but, it doesn't really, yeah, they have to line up. They have to line up perfectly because it's got to have a rail over it. I mean, I guess maybe they've got a little bit of fudge room, but it's gotta be just inches, you know, like, Right. The tiniest amount. I mean, what if one of them was just like pointed a little bit the wrong direction? Yeah, you know? Start all over. <laughs> <laughs> That's where mathematics comes into play, right? You got to yeah, trust I guess. I mean, nowadays they're, I'm sure they're using lasers and stuff to get it all lined up, but still, it takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. Total, yeah. total respect for stuff like that. I always say um, because I think if you do a comic book page, more than nine panels is too much. You lose people if it looks too labored. Yeah. But if you do more, if you do at most three panels, then it looks like it's flowing. If you do one, then you really want to emphasize the action. Like one big panel equals one big a page. A full page one. Right. Yeah. But I think at nine, you lose people. Okay. Like, oh my, they don't, and you have a lot, if it's word heavy. Oh, sure. People. There's sure. a certain flow to a comic book. Right? Yeah. It's, it's not writer heavy. It's not moving flow. You have to have that certain balance to... Not so much dialogue, but not enough to hold you to that page. Because if you don't have any dialogue, then kids are just going to read it for two seconds and flip over. And they'll probably miss some details, right? Miss something that probably worked on for two weeks, right? They looked at it for five seconds. And then, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is us in the translation of creativity. It takes hours and hours and hours for something that people will see for just yeah. a few moments. Yeah. You're reminding me of this climbing term I kind of came up with. I don't know if I came up with it or not, but I at one point was talking and just like talking about... The burden of the crux, okay? The burden of the crux. Like the this. crux is the hardest move on a route, right? And that's where the route gets its rating from. So if you're interested in climbing, uh, in vertical rock climbing, which is a class five hike, you can break that class five into more um, 
sections. So starting basically with like 5.7, a 5.7 is a, a climb that's decently easy. Like it's almost like climbing a ladder. You know, if you okay. put a ladder straight up and down, you know, usually ladders are tilted in, but if it was tilted in, you know, that's not really a vertical anymore. It's tilted in and that might be a class four hike. I mean, you'll have parts that are tilted in, but if it was a ladder was straight up and down and you climbed up it, that kind of like be maybe a hard five, seven. Um, if a ladder was tilted out a little bit, then that would be like a five, eight, you okay. know, because now you're holding on real hard with your hands. So you got to have some good hand strength to do that. And then when you get to a five, nine, it becomes a puzzle. So you have to do things in the right order. In order, ah, you know, okay. if you put your foot over here first, you won't be able to move your hand up and now you're going to fall because you're stuck, you know, so you can, it's a puzzle, you know, yeah. and that gets really interesting at that point because now you're problem solving and climbing is all about problem solving. What if I put up? Yeah. Yeah. And so you'll stand at the bottom of a route and just stare up at it, whether it's natural rock or uh, a, a indoor climb and just stare up at it and just think about, you know, the sequence of the moves that you're going to do, you know. And so it's funny because I, from an outsider's perspective, I always think that it's just building up the courage to get started, but actually you're just, you're planning your route. Yeah. Oh, I have a whole philosophy about the courage to get started too, but let me finish <laughs> first. Uh, the burden of the crux, yes. the crux, of course. So if it's a five, nine, the crux is going to be that one little puzzle in the, in the, in the route. It might be like five, seven up until that point. But since there is that one spot where you've got to do a certain sequence of moves and it does get a five, nine rating because it is you know, challenging in that way. And then a five ten would be where it's like, you got to do the puzzles, but you also have to have some good finger strength. Like you might want to be able to do a pull up, like on your first two knuckles of your fingers, you know? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So you're going to need some finger strength. And then a five eleven, you're going to need to be able to have super balance. Like you got to balance over a, you know, a dime sized edge or something, or you got to have like a little bit of a throw. Like you got to be a little bit dynamic. Like you might have to just kind of use some, movement to get to a farther hold or you might have to like leap off of something to get to a nice big hold but there'll be a moment where you have to like you know jump for it right. <laughs> or you got to use super super finesse balance a 512 you got to use uh, momentum in order to move through the crux you got to use momentum so you can't slow your movement down because it's like starting off in f first gear you know you can't start off in fifth gear and no. uh, if you're driving right. a manual yeah. you know you'll burn out your clutch it's kind of the same thing with a 512 you got to stay in fifth gear to move through the crux so and then it goes more, 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 harder, 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 <laughs> you know, right. because ultimately people keep doing more and more harder things. Um, but that burden of the crux is almost like what you're talking about with the uh, comic book page, because, you know, people will look at it. And if there's way too many words, then that's a crux. It's too hard, yeah. you know. So you, when you're route setting, which is actually what I really got into route setting, um, you're trying to, you're understanding like how difficult this climb is. You're understanding the relationship between the previous moves and the crux move and then the finishing moves to make it a nice a nice challenge you know a really nice experience you know yeah well so it matches your level where it you matches go. it matches your level yeah right. exactly because i think a lot of people especially game strategy you have to calculate you're right absolutely skill versus chance yep. versus yep. luck there's a certain skill to it yeah well, it's a little bit of loss. and it, yeah. and if it's even and, and if you the skill is too low it'll be boring you know and yeah. if the skill is too high it'll be too hard and people won't want to do it yeah so you got to find that nice balance yeah and then you were talking about just getting started and i was i always used to tell people look if you take both feet off the ground you're climbing 
<laughs> that's all I care about. That's all you got to do. I don't care if you make it to the top. In fact, if you make it to the top, I'll just put you on something harder. <laughs> I that's what because so many I've had so many guests are like, come on the show, and then you're an actor, and it's like, well, I haven't done anything yet. But that you call yourself an actor. That's the first step. If you can call yourself an actor, yeah, that's the first step. You admit that what you are. It took a long time even for me for writing to call myself a writer. I had to do so many stories, but eventually that's what I call. I can now feel comfortable calling myself. Yeah. Where now I was just writing my story. Now I can say I am now a writer. Yeah. But I mean, you, you want to stay humble too. So you're, maybe it's that, yeah. you know, the humility versus hubris kind of thing. Well, it's, a, it, it's another thing we talk about with creativity is the delusion that the deceivement of you tell yourself you're always a fraud. They're going to find out you're a fraud. You call yourself something and they're going to find out that's not what you are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you're, you, you reference on the waterfront, like, oh crap, I've never seen that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, but it's, now it's, I want to. Now you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gave me some inspiration. Which is, I think, acting is really good when it's black and white because it's the subtraction of distraction. I right. think that's where you really have to do, you have to really bring it. There's certain things that you can do acting that, the way the camera set up, the lighting, everything—you walk down a hallway and people are like, "Whoa, right, yeah, yeah." Well, yeah. it's those John distractions. Walk down the hallway with a gun and you know walk past, and everybody's like, "That looks awesome." Well, that's all he did was just walk down the hallway, took five takes, and right. yeah. But there wasn't anything that took you out of it, you know, right. took you out of it. And then imp- improv, you know, you talk about like um, saying yes to the reality or the base premise of the reality saying yes to agreeing with that because if you disagree with it just takes you takes everybody the audience out of the reality but if you agree with it and you're in it and you commit to it you know listen to your scene partner and uh go from there you're gonna have a lot more um chances of being successful in your scene so right i think after talking with merit it's you know you work on your foundations work on your skills but also be willing to be adaptable Totally. Change. Totally. You can't just be rigament to like this is the way it's going to be, and then it's going to transfer directly from what I thought it was going to be. You have to learn that that's not a hundred percent. Right. Like Annie DeFranco says, buildings and bridges are made to bend in the wind. <laughs> right. They're supposed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's supposed to balance a little bit. Right? Yeah. Okay. To withstand the world, that's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> so, what's new for you? What's coming up? Uh, well, I talked about the um, improv show with Five yeah. Swipes Left on the 6th of November at Edina, um, Southdale Mall. And uh, I've got a short film I'm, I'm going to be uh, working on with Nathan Block in November, which is exciting. I'm really excited about that. Oh, you're in pre-production? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> right. You haven't started filming yet. So That's still, right. Still That's kind right. of in pre, yeah. Yeah, we did a table read, and uh, so now I'm just really just taking some time to just think about how I feel like this character is going to move through these scenes, I guess, you know, I just try to get like a base structure, but still be open to like, um, yeah. you know, the moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think, uh, with my writing, I never have a clear bad guy or good guy. And yeah. I think if people, if they want to act out my, my stories, I think it's, I yield up your interpretation, but I always think it's so, easy it's almost almost to a point of laziness to what do you do a comic book that it's a bad guy because it looks bad it's easy yeah but i think if you challenge yourself and say well that's a bad guy but look what he's doing is kind of good it's kind of plays on you a little bit he has a perspective and also challenges you as a creator right 
yeah. how can you make this person look a little bit good, but how can you make this bad guy look a little bit, yeah, yeah. Bad yeah, bad. because in other people's stories, maybe we're the bad guy, you know, and ultimately you're going to get <laughs> yes. into a situation where never everybody's always going to like you, you know, you're going to have to do something eventually that is, you know, something that you're, you have to do and not everybody's going to like it. I mean, anybody that's been put in a position of being a boss, you know, yeah. got to do things that people don't like. It doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I, that's another thing I, when I taught at art classes, um, I told people there's going to be people out there that just are going to not, not only like it, but are going to hate it. You got to be comfortable with no matter what you do, there's going to be people out there hate it, but also there's going to be people that absolutely love what you do. Sure. There's going to be a balance to that. Yeah. Yeah. I love this moment in um, this film with Luke Wilson. And uh, it's like, uh, I think, um, After Midnight or something like that, uh, where he's in Paris. Yes. I think it's called After Midnight in Paris, I think. Oh, yeah. There you go. (laughs) But there's this line where the guy who plays Hemingway says, he wants, Luke Wilson wants him to read his story, right? And he's, the guy who plays Hemingway is so awesome in that. He says, look, if it's good, no, if it's bad, I'm going to hate it. But if it's good, I'm going to be jealous and I'm going to hate it even more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, Merritt, yeah. thanks for coming, man. Wow. It's at our hour already. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Thank Dude. you. Yeah, we have to definitely come back and have to talk about, well, not give all your secrets out, <laughs> but a um, bunch yeah. of recipes and cookings and music. Everything. There you go. But, but thank you. And then, um, yeah, check out, please. Um, check out Merritt and uh, Five Swipes Left. There we are at Southdale Mall in Edina, November 6th. Yep. Um, and then we're looking forward to you being in Nathan Black's new uh, short film. It's yeah. going to be a short film, right? Yeah. Okay. And uh, check out saltfrommars.com. Yes, we're definitely down the, put the link down below. So, I Merit, also have thank a you again. Salt from Mars Instagram. It's just at Salt from Mars. And my personal Instagram is at Merritt West. No spaces. Right. Now you're going to have to go see Dune and see if you, know, you can. Kind of I, I did. I saw it. So oh, you already it was saw great. it, right? It was great. I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But uh, it was great. I loved it. I, lo- I I think it's an authentic lift from the book. It's a lot challenge to do from the book. That's right. that's a lot of heavy. Right. But and you had to cut out a lot of stuff. But they maintained. I think the flow of it, the look of it, that I think yeah works well. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yes, exactly. So merit. Thanks for coming, man. Nick, we'll thank definitely you. have to come back. Can't wait. Um, and he knows it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. There we go.